Welcome to the second episode of the Football MD Podcast. Today is Monday, July 9th. I am Michael Bowling, joined by my co-host, as always, Daniel Ronan. We thank you for joining us, and we hope that you continue to do so. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Football MD Podcast. I'll now send it over to Dan to tell you what we have in store for you guys today. Well, today we will be continuing our positional ranking segment. If by some chance you missed our first episode on our top 12 quarterbacks, you can find it on SoundCloud, Spreaker, iTunes, or of course our website, footballmdpodcast.com for that and much, much more content. But today we are on running backs. We will be discussing our consensus top 12 running backs and we'll stay on topic with our guest request. As per Davon from Facebook, we will be debating the pass catchers versus workhorse running backs. So let's dive into these rankings. Coming in at number one for our consensus top 12 running back rankings for 2018 is Le'Veon Bell. Bell finished in the top 12 at the running back position 12 out of 15 games in 2017. And for those three games that he finished outside of the top 12 at the position, two of them were still in the top 24. The third game was during week one when he only got 10 carries. The guy's as consistent as you can be. He was the only player to eclipse 400 total touches in 2017. And I found this actually kind of interesting, not that I have to sell you guys on Le'Veon Bell, but he actually had more receptions during the regular season than Demarius Thomas, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, Des Bryant, and Brandon Cooks. The guy's locked in for, I would say, 300 rushes, 100 targets every season. The only knock against him is he doesn't often play all 16 games. But again, for the upside that you get with Le'Veon Bell, I don't think you can have him too far outside of the number one player at the position. I would definitely agree with that. I actually, for me, Bell comes in at two. Is nothing, uh, no slight against him. I think he's easily the best running back in the game. I do think, skill set wise, he's the best running back in the game. I'm such a fan of his patient running style. It's unique, but I still, I just predict one other player having an awesome year this year, a kind of bounce back fu type of year with everything that occurred last year, and that's Zeke. He comes in at number one for me, number two on our consensus rankings. Bell falls on Mike's number one. For me, one is Zeke. The reason why that is is just because, unlike some of these players, he's not missing this time because of injuries or holdouts. It's it was the suspension, and the suspension held him back a little bit. I knew that. But you get the feeling that Zeke is a great player and a great man. That's 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 what it comes down to for me. And I think he, he's going to come out here. He's going to work hard. Without Des Bryant, he's going to have a ton of opportunity to run the ball and to catch the ball. I know he's not necessarily known for the receiving aspect of the game, but I think he's got it in his reservoir, and he's going to whip it out this year. He's going to be all over the field from sideline to sideline. I think you're going to see him in the seam catching some passes. This year, Zeke is going to have a slightly better year. I think he's going to possibly go for 2,000 all-purpose yards. That's why he comes in my number one. Yeah, I could definitely see him finishing there. I mean, he was the running back 10 in 2017, and he only played 10 games. 2016, full season, he was the running back 2. He's currently averaging 18.8 PPR points per game over his first 25 games in the NFL. That's the most in the NFL. He's the most important player on the Cowboys. I have no problem with him being at number one. Coming in at our number three consensus running back is Todd Gurley. This guy, again, I think these top three guys, no one would be surprised if they finished at the number one spot. But he was the running back one in 2017, which was a huge bounce back from his 2016 season. 
if you watch the guy last year, I mean, what you see on film, he was just electric on the field. He only actually had one more carry last season than he did in 2016, but he had 220 more yards. I think that kind of alludes to the coaching change that the Rams were able to take advantage of last year. And he was just incredibly consistent. And that's what we're looking at for these top picks. He actually finished at the top 20 at the running back position 14 times last year. 12 of those were top 10 finishes. 10 of those 12 finishes, he actually finished in the top 6. The upside that you get with Todd Gurley, this guy can provide you weak winning performances anytime he touches the football. Again, I think those top three are definitely locked in. Moving on to number four, this is another guy that me and Dan both agree at. He's locked in right at this position. That'll be DJ David Johnson. Obviously, we know about the injury last year, but just like Mike said about Todd Gurley, where he can give you a weak winning performance any week, anytime he touches the ball, DJ has that skill set. I mean, he's right up there in the top tier of running backs for that reason. Obviously, we know the Cardinals, the big question mark, the quarterback position. Now, obviously, with Tyron Mathieu, I still expect the defense to be good but that's definitely a huge loss. The Cardinals are a little bit of a question mark as a whole. That is what keeps DJ, although an elite first-tier running back, he ends up in the bottom end of that elite tier, back at number four, just because of the question marks. Not surrounding him, but more surrounding the team around him. Right. I think with that offense, for him to get 20 touchdowns like he did in 2016, that's going to be kind of tough for him to replicate. Don't you agree? definitely difficult 20 touchdowns is definitely straight and I think he was 2,000 all-purpose yards that year or pretty damn close yeah he definitely has his sights set on 1,000 rushing yards 1,000 receiving yards he's been pretty vocal that that's his goal for 2018 obviously with the question marks around him to obviously lean on him I'm just curious is is it going to be difficult to have that amount of success but an elite level player no doubt and that's why he comes in number four like we said when you're talking about your top tier guys you're nitpicking here and so DJ at number four at number five on our consensus rankings we have Leonard Fournette I like Leonard Fournette a lot he comes in right at number five for me this is exactly where I have him I think it's fitting he had an awesome start to last season we know the Jags are gonna play complimentary football with the defense and the run game trying to win games that way so he's going to get a ton of work he's the lone back there he'll get first and second and third down work he'll catch the ball he'll run there's not much to not like about Leonard Fournette there's some question marks with Blake Bortles and whether he can sustain winning because he has the tendency to throw interceptions I think that just means more leaning on Leonard Fournette good news for him yeah Leonard Fournette is a beast I don't think anyone is going to try and argue that fact he comes in at number eight for me so just a little bit lower But to hype him up a little bit, in 2017, he was only one of six running backs with over 300 touches. And if you follow us on our social media accounts, one knock that we had against him was after the first six weeks of the season, he didn't finish in the top 10 of the position one time. If you dig a little bit deeper into this, you'll also notice that Leonard Fournette also faced stacked boxes on 48% of his carries last year. The league average is right around 33%. Defenses were keying in on him. They didn't worry about Blake Bortles trying to throw the ball around. My only issue with him, why I have him a little bit lower, is for the fact that he did have that those inconsistency issues towards the end of the season. And there are some injury concerns. So for one of my top picks in my fantasy draft, I don't know if I want to risk it on somebody who might only play 13 games, even if he is going to be great for those 13 games. 
but coming in at number six on our consensus rankings is Melvin Gordon, the running back seven in 2016 and the running back five in 2017 on the back of 284 carries and 83 targets. This guy, he's going to get tons of volume on a great offense, which is something I always look for in my running backs. You want running backs on good teams. LA Chargers defense is going to set up great game scripts for the running game, and he was a sub four yard per carry runner in 2017, but he's going to be right in line for around 300 carries. So with volume like that, I'm not really too worried. He's one of the few true three down backs in the NFL. I like Melvin Gordon a lot, but I do struggle with the Chargers. They have a tough division. Even if you don't look at them as the best division in football, the teams are always close and the competition in the AFC West is always tight. So that's my only only knock against the Chargers as a whole. I love the player and I love the skill set. I love what he brings to the table. But fantasy, whether we like to think about it or not, sometimes it does go hand in hand with success. It's It's been difficult. You know, Isaiah Crowell has been a good back for the Browns. He's also not been a top-tier guy, even though maybe his skill set could have him up there. And on a different team, maybe he could produce at a higher rate. But sometimes teams struggle, and it makes the the, it difficult to get the run game going. So it's no knock against Melvin Gordon. But unless he really becomes involved in the passing game, which I get that they say that, but there's just so many other targets with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams coming back from injury, Tywell Williams. They just have so many guys in the passing game. I know Hunter Henry's down, so maybe that will fare well for him, but Eckler is this pass catching back, so... Unless he gets starts getting a boatload more receptions, I just find it hard to keep him a little bit higher. I have personally Melvin Gordon ranked at eight, so he is a little bit lower on my list. But I have no problem with him being at six, being that his skill set allows him from for a high potential. Next in our consensus rankings, coming in at number seven is Dalvin Cook. Personally, for me, I have him at six, one spot ahead. I can see why people are a little hesitant with the ACL tear, but I have like a man crush on Dalvin Cook. (laughs) I think he's going to go ballistic. After this year, we'll be talking about him right with Zeke, Todd Gurley, DJ Bell, uh, right up in there in the top five. He's a dominant back. I know Latavius Murray is there, and I like Latavius Murray too, but Dalvin Cook is just an elite runner. He can catch the ball, pass block. He can do pretty much everything you're going to ask a lead back to do. Dalvin Cook on a great offense that's going to run the ball and play complementary to that strong defense. Not ask Kirk Cousins to do nearly as much. I touched on that last episode that I didn't think Kirk Cousins was going to be asked to do nearly as much. And that's because of what they're about to do. They're about to dedicate to the run game. Cook is going to carry the ball 20-25 plus a game. And he'll probably catch the ball 5-10 to times a game. Factor in how many touches you're going to run through Cook in the run game. I just don't see how he can fall any lower than, you know, six or seven, wherever you got him. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower on Dalvin Cook. He comes in at number nine for me, but I do love the player for all the reasons Dan said. He looked great in the four games that he played in 2017. He was actually in the top 12 at the position during that time. I think he was the running back nine before he got injured, averaging right around 15 points per game. So the guy was a beast, and I know that he is coming off this injury, but ACL tears... I think I mentioned it on the quarterbacks episode. They really don't scare me as much as they would have a few years ago, what they're able to do. Nowadays, people are able to come back from injuries such as an ACL tear and return to form pretty easily. Another knock that I had against Dalvin Cook is during those four games that he was great last year, Latavius Murray wasn't playing. And I'm not trying to say that Latavius Murray is nearly as good as Dalvin Cook is, but we haven't seen what Dalvin Cook's role looks like when Murray is on the field. So just for that reason, I wanted to put him a little bit lower just for that uncertainty. I'll let you wrap up, but I just want to interject real quick because 
Latavius Murray wasn't there, but Jarek McKinnon was. He was. So, and then, you know they like to feature Jarek McKinnon. So they, they still had a complimentary back that they could have been using. Right. But in my opinion, Dalvin Cook, his skill set just is so much better. So that's why you let him play all three downs because he offers you that versatility. The best part about that is you don't know from a schematical defensive standpoint what he's going to be doing, running the ball, catching the ball. Latavius Murray is not as good as a pass catcher as Dalvin Cook. For sure. For that reason, again, I could definitely see Cook finishing higher than nine where I have him ranked and seven where we have him ranked as a consensus. I could definitely see him finishing higher than that. Moving on to our eighth ranked consensus running back, we have Alvin Kamara. Kamara actually comes in at number five for me. Last year, he finished as a running back one seven games in a row before he got uh, that concussion in week 14. This was on the back of a ton of opportunity. Drew Brees targeted the running backs 34% of the time in 2017, which is 6% higher than the number two team in the league at targeting the running back. With that opportunity, he made the most of it. He was extremely efficient. He averaged six, uh, six yards per carry, 10 yards per reception. The guy was a beast. And I am expecting a little bit of a regression in that level of efficiency because that's top running backs of all time efficiency right there. But I am expecting a bit of an increase in opportunity for him. We have to remember that during the first four weeks of the season last year, he didn't really get involved with Adrian Peterson still on the team. Huge mistake in retrospect. And he also didn't receive more than 12 carries in a single game last year. So I am expecting those numbers to go up, especially with Mark Ingram out those first four games, which we're going to say this time and time again, it's tough to really evaluate strength of schedule. But the Saints do open the season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Cleveland Browns, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New York Giants. For those first four weeks without Ingram, I'm definitely expecting Alvin Kamara to be huge for fantasy teams, which is why he comes in at number five for me. Yeah, and Kamara, the reason why he is down at eight and not up at five in our consensus rankings... For me, he comes in at 11. I know I'm going to get some backlash on that one because he was so good last year, and I get it. I was a owner of Alvin Kamara last year, so trust me, I'm well aware of how good he was. But I talked a little bit when I talked about Drew Brees last week about the regression in the run game for the Saints, and I just think it's bound to happen. Last year, their running back duo was historically good. Alvin Kamara was historically good. Mike said he's in the top 12 seven weeks in a row. What he brings to the table is elite balance, an elite running style. But last year, every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he was in the end zone. Every single time. That's not going to happen. I will say, I think he had a little bit of advantage being hidden on the depth chart behind Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram in the first four weeks. Don't get me wrong, by week 16 and 15 and even by weeks 12, that's all over. But he's not really on a scouting report until week 5 or 6 when he had a couple of good games. And that kind of benefited him being like a sneaky guy coming out of nowhere. People weren't really ready for it, just like Tariq Cohen last year in week one. Like I said, Kamara is a great back, and the best attribute that he has is that elite-level balance. It's it's incredible the way he runs the ball, but he was historically good last year, so clear regression candidate, in my opinion. That being said, I'll move on to number nine. Barkley, for me, I want to put him a little bit higher. I like Barkley a lot. I watched a lot of film on Penn State this offseason, and the best guys in football, I was always told when watching film, they're the guys that you don't need that little highlight marker on the film to see where the guy's at. Right. You get what I'm saying? They just put up the film, and you're like, oh, we're watching this guy right here. We're watching we're watching him, number 26, running around like, like, like a man amongst boys, looking <laughs> right. like he's playing against kids on a schoolyard. Really? 
that was his tape last year. Barkley was incredible, returning kicks, running the ball, catching the ball. You put him with a veteran quarterback, arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Lou Beckham Jr. A great supporting cast in Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. A better offensive line with Solder and Hernandez, the draft pick. I can't see how he's not going to be successful. I want to put him so high. I want to put him in the top five, just like Cook. I said, I just have a little bit of a man crush on him, I guess. I just can't bring myself to do it, being that he hasn't had any volume in the NFL. I did comment that, you know, he looked like a man amongst boys in college. Well, guess what? This is the NFL. That's not going to happen. I'm well aware of that. It doesn't matter how good you are at college. When you're going to get to the NFL, someone's going to hit you in the mouth. Someone's going to put you down. And it's going to happen. It's okay. I think Barkley's also big enough to get back up. That's not my issue. But I just don't see him dominating the way he did in college. And until he does... I'm not ready to put him in that elite level. So, number nine in our consensus rankings, and he comes in at number nine for me. Yeah, I have Barkley at number well, seven, so just slightly higher. Again, to I could definitely see him finishing much higher than where I have him ranked and where we have him ranked as a consensus, but he hasn't touched the NFL field yet. We have not seen him against other professional athletes. Everything looks great. I think the Giants' offense is going to be much improved from last year with all of these players returning from injury. I think that as Dan said, the offensive line is going to be much better. I think the defense is better than it got credit for last year. That's going to set up some better game scripts. One major concern, the status of Eli Manning. Is he actually done? I don't think he is. I think people are way too down on him from what we saw last year. But that is a real concern. He has been in the league for a long time, and he has been on the decline from a statistical standpoint for the last few years. For that reason, for that uncertainty, again, the main thing we want to do with these top picks is limit uncertainty and risk. So that's why we have him a little bit lower than some of these other guys. Moving on to our number 10 consensus player, we have Kareem Hunt. He comes in as well at number 10 in my personal rankings. Hunt was the running back four in 2017, leading the league in rushing. He forced 61 missed tackles, which is amazing. Melvin Gordon was second in the league and forced missed tackles with 48. Completely outperformed Melvin Gordon there. He was also number one in yards after contact. He showed that he was a great pass catcher. The only knock against him is that rough stretch that he had between weeks 8 and 13, and I think that was more due to Andy Reid kind of just moving away from him for whatever reason for those few games. I don't think that's any knock against the talent itself of Kareem Hunt. One thing that I am looking at for Kareem Hunt is I see his volume decreasing at least a little bit with Spencer Ware returning, who, remember, he was the starter in the preseason last year before he got injured. Spencer Ware is coming back. He's been a very solid NFL running back in the past. They also brought on Damian and Kerwin Williams. They're not related, but they brought on both of those players. And in the past, the Chiefs have deployed multiple running backs very often. So even though Kareem Hunt's talent was amazing last year, and I do think that the cream rises to the top in the NFL, there are some concerns there for me with Spencer Ware, Damian Williams, Kerwin Williams to cut into some of his workload. And people are also just assuming that Patrick Mahomes is going to be an upgrade or even just as good as Alex Smith was last year. Alex Smith played at a historic rate last year, uh, MVP form. Even if Mahomes is close to as good as Smith was last year, that's still very good for the Chiefs offense as a whole. You know, that's expecting a lot from a player who's essentially a rookie. I like Kareem Hunt. He comes in at number 10 on our consensus rankings. I have him at 7 on my rankings. I have him higher than guys like Barkley and Kamara. Just because of the fact that he's done it in the NFL already, that goes pretty far for me. He was very explosive. I can't forget that week one game against the Patriots. Oh, I, know I was that, losing my mind. <laughs> I know that wasn't the whole season, but I just that talent, that potential, that's, that's in there. Andy Reid 
he's always been a good coach with the running backs. He's always had an, a successful running back situation. Kareem Hunt to me, he just he brings three down back material, run, block, catch. So to me, a little bit higher at seven, but I can see why he falls in our consensus to ten. Agreed. So moving on, after the 10 spot, we actually have a little bit more disparity amongst the players that we have at 11 and 12. So we're each going to talk about where we have these guys ranked and maybe debate them just a little bit. So at number 11 for me, I have LaShawn McCoy. The guy's finished as a top 12 running back six times in the last eight years. He was a running back seven last year. So I know he's getting a little bit up there in age, but he's not really showing any signs of slowing down. Over the last three seasons, he's finished in the top 12 at the position in 51% of his 43 games played. He actually has 2,258 PPR fantasy points since 2009. That's more points than all non-quarterback players in the NFL, which I thought that was kind of crazy. I had to read that like three times, check my math, (laughs) make sure I was adding everything up right. But yeah, the guy's been as consistent as possible. And the entire team, the entire Bills, they might as well rename it the Buffalo McCoys. The entire team runs through him. He's their best runner. He's their best, probably their best pass blocker now that they lost those guys on their offensive line. He's their best receiver, in my opinion. My only issue with LaShawn McCoy this year is I'm projecting the Bills to be pretty bad. However, he is going in the back of the second round. I took him in the first round last year, picked number six overall. So I think that's the cheapest you've ever been able to get LaShawn McCoy or right up there with the cheapest you've ever been able to get him. And I would love to pair him with a top wide receiver. Maybe if you grab Antonio Brown, you can grab McCoy as your running back one in the back of the second and have two pretty solid starters for your team there. McCoy also might be the best quarterback on that team, too. We don't know yet. We, yeah, so, we haven't uh, seen uh, that. That's, <laughs> that's totally possible. Yeah, McCoy for me, he's actually at 15. I have a little, I'm a little bit lower on him. I'm a little low on the bills, just like you said. And just the fact that age is eventually going to hit a man. It's just going to happen. Nobody lives forever. I got to say, I'm sure plenty of analysts have been saying that for a few years now. He's been holding off other time, no doubt. So I'm not saying it's... Not possible, but I just think with the combination of, I don't know where the Bills are going to be. We don't even know who's going to be yeah. the quarterback. A.J. McCarron, exactly. Josh Allen. Uncertainty with the Bills and being up there in age. Yeah, I have him a little bit lower. I have him at 15. The next guy I'll talk about is Jordan Howard. For me, he actually comes in at 10. He doesn't make our consensus top 10. Mike is very low on him. I think he has him 16. I would say that's very low. That's lower. Great. Lower. Okay, well... <laughs> Let's talk about why that's very low. Everybody was all crazy about Zeke, Zeke's rookie season, and I love Zeke. Zeke is my number one running back this year. Let's not forget another rookie, Jordan Howard, who was not a top overall pick in the NFL draft, ended up taking second in rushing yards that year. He dominates the NFL. He gets a little bit less carries and a little bit less work this year with Cohen there. At the same time, He's just a dominant back, and they're going to run the football more than anything in in Chicago. They're going to run the whole offense through him, just like they did last year with Trubisky. Now, with Matt Nagy at the helm, I think they're going to let Trubisky do a little bit more as far as, you know, the play call and making sure that he's throwing the ball downfield a little bit more and taking a little bit more risk. But Howard's still going to be three down back. The problem with Cohen on third down, which I know people are very excited about Cohen. He's a nice little gadget player. But in my opinion, you can't keep him on third down on a consistent basis. His size doesn't allow him to pass block. Jordan Howard, on the other hand, he might not be recognized for catching, but I think he can do it. He can he can learn it, how to, how to catch and how to get out open in the flat. And his ability to pass block due to his size is going to keep him on the field on third downs. He's not going to have to run routes as a receiver. He's just going to have to chip a guy and come out into the flat or underneath somewhere and catch 
usually in open space. I like what he's going to get as far as, you know, the workload. I like his skill set. He's been a top back prior years before this, and I think he's just being a little overlooked. You're not the only one low on him. I feel high on him when I talk about him, but I also, when I when I do the math and the way I look at it, I feel that's where he, where he deserves to be. Right. Well, what's funny is I went to, I was going to debate you on Jordan Howard, but in pulling up my notes, every note that I have on him is pretty positive. So I do have him at 16 and maybe I am a little bit too low on him. Last year, he had 1,122 yards, nine touchdowns, averaged 4.1 yards per carry. This is despite being on a Bears team that was 30th in total yards and 29th in scoring. He was really making the most out of pretty bleak opportunities. I know I mentioned before Leonard Fournette faced the most stack boxes in the league. Jordan Howard came in at number two in that category. So he was being keyed on by defenses. I don't think defenses are going to be able to do that this year with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Burton, Anthony Miller, the rookie wide receiver coming in. It's going to be tough for defenses to just key in on the running back position. And he's actually, he's third in the league in rushing since entering the league in 2016 with 528 carries. Maybe I am a little too low on him. I could definitely see him right around 1,200 yards and double-digit touchdowns, realistically, with that improved offense. Well, last year with a team that you said was, you know, a little bit down and he was facing stacked boxes, you said he had, what, 11, 1,200 yards? Uh, 1,122 yards, nine touchdowns. And 4.1 yards per carry. The year before that, I think he was at 14, 15,000 he was actually, I'm looking yards. at it right now, he was actually at 13, 1,313 yards, six touchdowns, averaged 5.2 yards per carry. So, yeah, so the guy's a beast. That's what I'm saying. He's been productive in the NFL. In my opinion, he's just going to continue that. And like you said, a little bit more pressure off of him. Jordan Howard, to me, 10th, but we have him a bit lower than that, right outside the top 12. Yeah, he comes in at 13 in our consensus rankings, and like I said, my argument against him kind of backfired in my face, and now I'm like hyping him up. Yeah. So check the website. Maybe we'll have him a little bit higher in the in the coming weeks. But moving on to the running back that I have at number 12, he's just outside of Dan's as well, is Jarek McKinnon. I just think that McKinnon, moving to the San Francisco 49ers, he has Kyle Shanahan now. That's my main thing for him. In 2015, Kyle Shanahan's running backs received 138 targets. In 2016, there were 105 targets between Ted and Coleman and Devonta Freeman. And in 2017, the 49ers had the third highest targets to running backs in the league. So especially in PPR formats, you know he's going to be utilized. They paid the man, so you know they want to get their value out of their free agent signing. And he really doesn't have any competition for the job. I know they have Bereta on the depth chart there. I'm not sold on Bereta. The 49ers didn't draft anybody, so you know that they want to see what they have in McKinnon, and he's just insanely athletic. I think we were talking about it. This is a while back, but you sold me on him months back, where his combine numbers and just even on the field, what we see from him, he's just a well-rounded player, great pass catcher, everything you want to look at in a solid top running back. At the uh, at the combine, they do an advanced metric where they measure explosion, and he was by far one of the best that year and one of the best to ever grade out on this exposure it's it's complicated it's more of an advanced statistic and analytic type thing pretty much it measures the explosion of a player and like his his burst and his get off speed and he ranked right up there top notch and his he's he's an explosive player and that's what you want when you're hitting a hole i love jerick mckinnon he for me comes in at number 13 you know you talked about Kyle Shanahan, all Kyle Shanahan is going to do for him, but 
he's going to do it for himself because he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He's never been a predominant back. You said, Brian, are you not worried about? Me neither because he's never had the opportunity that he's going to have here. And I think McKinnon is really going to take advantage of the situation. So I like McKinnon, but for me, just a little bit lower. I have him at 13. The guy that squeaks him right ahead of him for me is Derrick Henry. A lot of people are a lot lower than him. He makes my top 12. And I'm ready to fight to the death for it because uh, I get it. They paid Deion Lewis, so maybe, you know, they want to focus more on some passing game. But Henry is a former Heisman Trophy winner. He's maybe not the best pass catching back, but his size allows him allow him to block on third down. He has more breakaway speed than people think. He's not a one-trick pony like people think. People he just is insanely see... fast for his size. It's absurd. People think that, like, you know, he's just like this straight line, can run you over type back. And, of course, his, his size allows him to do that, but you don't win a Heisman Trophy that way. You don't. Look at how Bar- how good Barkley was last year. I told you, I mean, it was a human highlight fi- film, and he still didn't win the Heisman last year. It's a difficult thing to, to take home at the, at the end of the season. It's, it's a competitive, everyone's fighting for it. And he took it home because he's one of the most ideal running backs in the NFL. He's got the size you want. He can run people over. He can run in between the tackles. He can get you small amount of yards. He can like guarantee you two, three yards. He can almost guarantee you that. In a goal line situation, down at the end zone, in a fourth down situation, he can almost guarantee you that first down in a tight inches situation because of his size. And I think it's underutilized. Now, like I said, people are worried about Deion Lewis. I just think Henry has been waiting. They love him. They drafted him. I don't think they paid Deion Lewis top dollar, top dollar. So they're not necessarily married to him. And I'm not saying that they're not going to use him because I understand that maybe in a two-minute situation, Henry might not be the ideal player. His size kind of does limit his receiving abilities and his open field running. But at the same time, I just don't see Derrick Henry not taking advantage of this. I think he's been waiting for DeMarco Murray to leave. Now he's gone. I think this is the Derrick Henry show. You can say it's complete speculation you can say i'm crazy out of out of my mind but i think henry deserves to be a top 10 i have him at the top 12 just because he hasn't done it yet but i think he's a top back in the nfl yeah and i definitely think derrick henry does have the talent to be a top running back in the league one thing about him looking through his stats from last year and i know you hate the statistic that i always pull up dan but in 2017 he was stuffed on 40 percent of his third and short carries which, in my opinion, that's kind of what he's advertised as. He's this bruising, massive running back that should excel in those situations, so that's definitely concerning for me. I also, with his running style, I think he's a bit more of an upright runner rather than trying to get downhill momentum. I see in a lot of his, from watching a lot of his film, he bounces the play to the outside and tries to do a little bit too much, and that often results in him losing some yards, where in the NFL, sometimes gaining one yard is excellent because it's better than losing two, three yards. So for that reason, Derrick Henry actually comes in at number 23 for me. But I do see that the talent is there. So we'll see if he gets that opportunity with Deion Lewis coming to the team now. The thing is with Deion Lewis is I don't doubt that he's a good player. I just feel he was more successful because of what was going on with the Patriots. You know, they have a great system there, multiple running backs. They get a lot of production out of them. Josh McDaniels is great coach you know like I said they just get the best out of players I'm not saying that he's going to be a bad player but I don't know if he's going to be on par with where he was at and I just want to comment on that stat that you said I hate the reason why I hate it is because he's been at a disadvantage on those goal to go situations or those third and ones because he comes in to the game 
after DeMarco Murray carries the ball on first and second down, and he comes in on third and one, and they know what he's there for. They know that, all right, you bring in Derrick Henry, he's probably not going to catch the ball. The mistake is not allowing him to do so. Sometimes, LeGarrette Blunt last year with the Eagles, he caught a couple passes, and he usually doesn't in, in, in his career. But you got to keep him honest, just like a pitcher in baseball. you got to keep him honest sometimes. you got to throw one close to him. you got to back him up off the plate. Can't let him hug it. you got to keep him honest. And that's what you got to do in football. You just got to let, let somebody who, you know, like Henry, is projected to do one thing and produce in one thing. When he's a uh, three-down back and he can block on third downs, but he also catches it in every once in a while, now when he comes on – on the field in third down, maybe he's just there to block. Maybe he's he can leak out and get and, and get a first down here. The way they've been using him, what well, has been predictable, and that hasn't played well well for him, and it wouldn't play out well for any player. That would be difficult once somebody knows what you're there to do. All right, so that wraps up our top 12 consensus running back rankings for 2018. Just to recap for you guys, at number one we have Le'Veon Bell, number two Ezekiel Elliott, number three Todd Gurley. Number four, David Johnson. Number five, Leonard Fournette. Number six, Melvin Gordon. Number seven, Dalvin Cook. Number eight, Alvin Kamara. Number nine, Saquon Barkley. Number 10, Kareem Hunt. Coming in at numbers 11 and 12 for me, I had LaShawn McCoy and Jarek McKinnon. And Dan at 11 and 12 had Jordan Howard and Derek Henry. Just some quick notes on the running back position before we move on to our fan requests. I know myself and Dan were both very high on the idea of drafting elite running backs early in the draft, and the reason for that is going through fantasy finishes from last year, only two running backs drafted in the top 12 at the position were considered busts, considering that as finishing outside of the top 24 at the position. Those two players were David Johnson, who obviously got injured in week one, and Jay Ajayi, who switched teams halfway through the season. Also, of the top 15 running back finishers from last year, only three of them were drafted after the fifth round. So once you get to those later rounds, it's very rare that you're going to be able to grab somebody that's going to be a difference maker on your fantasy team at the running back position. Also, speaking to the volatility of the running back position, that we all hear all the time, running backs always get hurt, there's a higher chance of them busting and not returning value on that high draft capital. So I decided to look at the top drafted wide receivers from last year, and of the top 12 drafted wide receivers, three of them would have qualified as busts, and again, that's outside of the top 24. That's Odell Beckham Jr., of course he got injured, the other two were Jordy Nelson and Amari Cooper. When you look at the numbers from last year, two running backs drafted in the top 12 were considered as busts compared to three at the wide receiver position. Obviously, I'm not trying to say that wide receivers are more volatile than running backs, but I don't think that argument can fairly be made in the other direction against running backs either. Also, as we alluded to earlier, you want to try and target running backs on good teams. So again, looking at fantasy finishes from 2017, Carlos Hyde was the only top 10 running back that was on a sub-500 team, and he finishes the running back 9. Also, there were only 3 players in the top 15 that were on sub-500 teams. Those players were Jordan Howard, Duke Johnson, and Carlos Hyde. So I'm not saying that running backs on bad teams can't be productive and useful for your fantasy team. Just consider that, especially if there's a running back that you really like, if he's not on a winning team or a team that you're expecting to be a winning team, don't reach for the player. A prime example of this was Isaiah Crowell last year. 
I think his ADP was right around the third, fourth round. And how did that turn out for a lot of people? Not very well. Not completely due to the lack of talent on Isaiah Crowell's part, but due to the performance and overall talent of the Browns last year. And that is all for our positional ranking segment for today. As we said in our first episode, though, before we close out the entire episode, we'll be trying to shout out one of our active followers on social media. Today, we're going to talk about the evolution of the pass-catching running back, and that's by the request of Davon from Facebook. Thank you. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you participating in our posts and everything. So this one's for you, man. But before we get into the specifics, I just want to lay the ground rules. We're going to have a little debate here, me and Mike. I'm going to talk about the pros of a workhorse back and the cons of a pass catching back. Mike is going to talk about the exact opposite. And we are excluding guys like David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell who pretty much do it all. This is more the evolution of the pass-catching back versus what used to be the popular workhorse back, however you want to phrase that. So, to get started, I believe you get more benefit from the workhorse back. This is because of, one, the high amount of touches. The high amount of touches gives you a very safe, high floor. Might not get you 20-point outing every single week in fantasy football, but as far as the security that goes along with the 20 touches every single game, the consistency that comes with that, that's a huge benefit. Then when you compare it to real football, the control of the clock and way the game flow plays into the hands of the regular running back, the guy who can handle the workload and he's not just relying on catching the ball, the guy who's going to carry the 20 touches per game, this guy, he gets to control the clock, and that benefits the team. So the team wants to put the ball in that guy's hands. When you're talking about pass catchers versus this type of back, the the workhorse back, the stature is usually something that defines that. Example, Derrick Henry, his size makes him a regular workhorse back as opposed to someone like Deion Lewis who looks more as like a scat back and more of a pass catcher. So what comes into question in running in between the tackles for me with the pass catcher as opposed to the workhorse is going to be durable in between the tackles and with the big hits that will come with being an NFL running back. And you're not really sure if the smaller stature and the smaller frame is going to hold up for years in the NFL. They're not going to give you the durability or the longevity that the workhorse back can give you. Before I send it over to Mike, I'll say my cons are pretty much the exact opposite. You're worried about them in between the tackles, the pass catchers. It's a higher risk. When you're throwing the ball, there's always the chance of interceptions, stopping the clock, keep letting teams stay in games. You can't really get a handle on the control of the game and controlling the clock in your favor. And then are they going to have a full workload? Are they going to get 20 touches a game? Because usually not. you got receiving targets in tight ends and wide receivers. So usually there's only 5 to 10 receptions available for the running back. So he wouldn't be as highly involved as a regular workhorse back. And for myself, I'm going to be talking about the pass-catching running backs, and it really is difficult to try and deny the importance of a workhorse running back, especially for fantasy purposes, just to feed into Dan's side a little bit. In 2017, 9 out of the top 12 running backs had over 230 carries. That level of involvement makes it much easier to finish in the top tier at the position. What I do like about the pass-catching running backs, however, is 
their explosive nature, their ability to get into the open field and make big plays that have huge impacts in both the real game and on your fantasy teams. Now, looking at fantasy finishes from the 2017 season, only 12 running backs had 70 or more targets, and 9 of those 12 finished in the top 15 at the position. In fact, the top 12 running backs averaged 80.5 targets over the season. So especially in PPR leagues, you want to make sure that you're getting a running back that isn't only going to be involved in the run game, but is going to be a popular target from his quarterback. And this is a trend that's becoming much more popular in the NFL. In 2017, as I mentioned, there were 12 running backs with 70 or more targets. However, in 2016, there were only six running backs with 70 or more targets. And in 2015, there were only five running backs with 70 or more targets. So this definitely seems to be the way that the NFL is moving in, getting a lot more complimentary backs. You see it with the Detroit Lions implementing Theo Riddick. You see Corey Clements making an impact in Philadelphia, as well as Chris Thompson over in Washington. A lot of these players, again, especially for fantasy purposes, they may not be the workhorse running backs on their team but for PPR scoring these are guys that you want to target they do have value on their teams and you can usually get them later in drafts because they're not putting up those high rushing totals that you see the top guys at the position putting up year in and year out. So in conclusion, when you talk about pass catchers versus the workhorse back, there's definitely benefits to both sides. The pass catcher obviously fits well in the West Coast offense and in a very popular, you know, quarterback driven league to be kind of the sidekick next to the quarterback as like a safety valve and obviously be heavily involved in downfield route running. But at the same time, the workhorse back will never be fully replaced. They'll always have a position in football and in the game due to the ability to control the clock and play complementary old school run game defensive football. That will never go away. They'll always be there. But in the popular, let's score a lot of points and let's have a lot of offense and let's not worry about controlling the clock because we're just going to throw up a lot of points. The pass-catching explosive guy in the open field is a nice tool to have in the reservoir. So, Davon, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, segment meant for you and all of our other listeners, but that's going to have to wrap up episode two. I'll send it over to Mike to say our goodbyes, but thank you guys once again. Yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the first episode. The feedback was awesome. We really appreciate it. We work very hard on these episodes, so we really hope that you continue to enjoy our content and continue to follow us on all of our social media pages at FootballMDPodcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also find us at our website at FootballMDPodcast.com. We're going to be having a ton of articles on there. All of our rankings are currently up, so you can go check those out, get a little sneak peek at some of our future shows. You can also listen to the podcast directly from the website. If you do enjoy the podcast, please leave a positive review on iTunes, SoundCloud, subscribe to our channel. It really helps us out. And like I said before, we really appreciate all of the positive feedback we've gotten up to this point. So thank you guys, and we'll be releasing another episode next week. So be on the lookout for that, and like always, tons of content on our social media pages.